ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೋಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ನಮ ಶ್ರೀಶಂಕರಂದ ಗುರುಪಾದಾಂಬುಜನ್ಮನೆ ಗುರುಪಾದಾಂಬುಜನ್ಮನೆ ಸವಿಲಾಸ ಮಹಾಮೋಹ ಸವಿಲಾಸ ಮಹಾಮೋಹ ಗ್ರಾಹಗ್ರಾಸೈಕಕರ್ಮಣೆ ಗ್ರಾಹಗ್ರಾಸೈಕಕರ್ಮಣೆ the topic under discussion is ekamrut pinda vijnanat sarvamrunmaya dhiryatha just as by the knowledge of one lump of clay sarvamrunmaya dhiryatha how everything that is made of clay is known meaning by knowing the nature of clay how the parts and various other things that are made of clay are as well known in as much as you know the very essence so as we said the part has these two aspects one is the aspect which is the essential aspect which is the clay another is the aspect which is the form of the part so when it is said that by knowing the clay the cause the effect is as well known what is meant is that by knowing the clay which is cause the essential aspect of the effect is as well known and as far as the it's form is concerned and other various other details are concerned that knowledge is not that necessary as is necessary the knowledge of what is the essence of the clay and so chandogya upanishad says that by knowing the clay the parts and various other things made of clay are as well known meaning by knowing the cause you as well know the effects because clay is a cause and part and other vessels are the effects <coughs> similarly also what will be the phenomenal cause of this creation if you know that then the whole creation is as well known tathaik brahma bodhena jagat buddhir vibhavyatam and similarly also by the knowledge of brahma which is one without a second so brahman which is the ultimate cause of the creation by knowing that jagat buddhir vibhavyatam that you will also know the entire creation because just as the parts and pans made of clay are nothing but a superimposition upon the clay meaning what we call part is nothing but the clay appearing in a certain form and the substance that obtains there is nothing but the clay because when you lift the part what you are lifting is clay when you touch the part what you are touching is clay and therefore the essence there is nothing but clay you take away the clay from the part and nothing remains there because clay is the only reality as we said earlier that when we use the word clay then there is a substance corresponding to the word clay there but when we use the word part there is no substance corresponding to the word part the substance that is clay remove that substance clay and nothing remains there that we can call part and therefore part is nothing but a concept or a notion in our own mind and therefore we say that 
what we call pot is a superimposition upon the claim. And similarly also it is shown, and that's you now in the oscillation the process of showing how the whole universe is nothing but a universe also, the whole world can be com- compared to that pot, and Brahman can be compared to that clay, and just as the pot is a superimposition upon the clay, and so also the whole universe consisting of names and forms is a superimposition upon Brahman. <coughs> And that is how we trace the process of creation. As the Chandogya Upanishad says, Sadeya Somya Idamagrasit Ekameva Dvidyam This whole universe before its creation was Brahma, was Sat, one without a second. And Vrhadaranyaka Upanishad also says, Tadhedam Tarhi Avyakratamasit That this whole universe before its creation was Avyakratam was unmanifest, undifferentiated, in a causal state, which is called Maya. And that very cause, namely Maya, itself manifested in the form of these names and forms. <coughs> and thus, these names and forms are nothing but a superimposition upon Brahman. And so the process of creation also can now be understood as the Upanishads describe how the first thing that is created is Akasha, the space. So in this model, we look upon the whole universe as made up of five elements, the space, air, fire, water and earth. And each element is progressively grosser than the previous element. So subtlest of all the five elements is Akasha or space. And grosser than that is air, and then grosser than that is the fire and water and earth. And therefore, the very first thing that becomes manifest is Akasha, the space. And therefore, the idea, the space is taken here for, as an illustration. Let's understand what is the nature, or what is the true nature of this element space. So the verse 67 says, Adyo Vikar Akasha. Akasha of the space is the very first vikara, the very first modification, the first thing that becomes manifest. <coughs> now, about Akasha, we can say several things. Akasha of space, we can say several things. One is, Asti, that the space is. Bhati, that the space is known. Priyaha, the space is dear or agreeable. Why? Because the space is extremely useful to us. If the space were not there, we would not be accommodated. And therefore, inasmuch as space serves the purpose of accommodating everything, so the space also is useful, is agreeable, therefore it is dear. So, this is so about space. This is what we call the general nature that, that inheres in everything. And the space also has its particular, its peculiar characteristic, namely avakasha, to accommodate. So, space has its four aspects. One is, five aspects you can say. But let's have four aspects here. One is, the space is, meaning the space is endowed with existence. Then, space is known, meaning the space is endowed with what we call awareness. 
and space is dear, space is agreeable, space is useful, and therefore space also becomes an object of love, and therefore space is endowed with priyatvam or love or happiness. So existence, awareness and happiness, these three things we find with reference to space. And space has a peculiar quality, namely it accommodates. In fact, we can take any object such as a flower. So about the flower, as we studied in the Drugdrishya Vivega, Asti Bhati Priyam Rupam Nam Panchakam That every object in the world has these five aspects. Asti, for example, the flower, you can say flower is. Meaning that flower is endowed with existence. Only then it can be. <coughs> then the flower is known. Had it not been known, you would not even know that it is. And therefore, the flower is known. Thirdly, the flower is dear. F- flower is dear to me because it is a cause of my happiness. Because it causes some agreeability. Some, it has some attractiveness, some usefulness. And therefore, it is a source of happiness. So this asti, bhati and priyam, it is, it is known or shines and it is dear. Or it is the source of happiness. These three things are there about flower. And fourth is, the flower has a form. And fifth is, the flower has a name. <coughs> so thus take any object, you know, like the crystal in my hand. The crystal also is. Crystal also is known. And crystal also is dear to me. And they have asti, bhati and priyam. And crystal has a name, crystal. And the crystal has a form corresponding to that name. And thus, everything in the creation has a name and form plus asti, bhati and priyam. <coughs> of which, tanmitya nadutatrayam. Of this, this name and form pertaining to every object is called is mithya, is creation, is superimposition, asti, bhati and priyam, or satchit ananda is the real essence. Going back to the example of the clear in the part, just as with reference to a part, the part has a particular form and part has a name. But this name and form are superimposed upon the substance, namely clay. And so also, every object in the creation has a name and a form. But what is the substance of this flower? If you keep on reducing this flower to its components and components and components, you split this flower into various petals and keep on splitting those petals into further and further divisions, its components or ingredients, where will it ultimately reduce to? If you, if you break this part and crush it, what will it reduce to? Into clay. Therefore we say that the clay is the essence or substance of the part. Similarly also, if you want to really know what is the ultimate essence of this, then the flower or any object for that matter will reduce into nothing but existence. Nothing but awareness. That's what it will reduce into. And therefore, that is a reality about the object. Just as clay is a reality about a part, and so also asti, bhati and the priyam is the reality about any object. Whereas the name and form is there now and not there later. Like the name and form of the part. When you break the part, that name and form is gone. A new name and form comes, like the pieces. When you break them further, even they are also gone. A new name and form comes, namely powder. But in and through all the changing names and forms, there is something that remains changeless or constant, and that is clay. Because even when it is part, 
the substance is clay. When it is broken to pieces, still the substance is clay. When it is crushed to powder, then also the substance is clay. And substance is that which is not subject to destruction. <coughs> and therefore, about the space or about any object, what is it that cannot be destroyed, which is indestructible essence is asti, bhati, priyam, sat, chit, ananda. <coughs> Why do we say the name and form are mitya or names and forms are unreal? So the verse 68 said, na vyaktev purumasteva na paschat chabinashadaha adavante jiyannasti vartamane vitattatha na vyaktev purumasteva that before the part was made, the part was not there, the form was not there. And after the part is broken, again the form is not there. In between, for in the present, there is this object called the part. So rule is, Adavantechi Annasti, that which is not there in the beginning and not there in the end, should be understood as not there even in the present. So what we call part was not there before its creation. It will not be there when it is destroyed. It just obtains in between, in what we call the present. So rule is that, that which is not there before and not there after should be understood as not there even in between. Meaning, what was there before the creation of part? Clay. What remains after destruction of the part? Clay. And therefore, in the middle also, in the present, what we call part is nothing but clay. This is how the, this is the analysis of the reality of things. <coughs> the same idea is also expressed by Lord Krishna in Bhagavad Gita and that is said in the verse 69. Avyakta dini bhutani Avyakta dini bhutani Vyakta madhyani bharata Vyakta madhyani bharata Avyakta nidhananyeva Avyakta nidhananyeva Ityaha Krishna Arjunam Prade Ityaha Krishna Arjunam Prade So Lord Krishna says to Arjuna Avyakta dini bhutani Bhutani means the beings the five elements of the whole, all the beings in the universe Avyakta dini Avyaktam adi yeshamte avyakta avyaktadi. <coughs> so avyaktadini. Avyaktam adi yeshamte avyaktadi. So those people who were, what is the, where have they emerged from? Avyakta or unmanifest. So avyaktadini bhutani. The beings of this whole universe is such that, or all the people and all the beings are those which were unmanifest in the beginning. Naturally, before the birth, a thing is unmanifest. Vyakta madhyani bharata. In between, it becomes manifest. Avyakta nidhananyeva. And when what we call the death happens, again the thing becomes unmanifest. In fact, Lord Krishna meant, this was told to Arjuna, with reference to his grief. And Lord Krishna provided several reasons for Arjuna as to why the grief is not in place. Different reasons were given. And one of the reasons given by Lord Krishna at the end is that these beings and the people about you, whom you are grieving, they appear to be in this form right now, but what were they before their creation? Unmanifest. 
What are they going to be after the destruction again and manifest? In between, they just become manifest. <coughs> and therefore, unmanifest is the na- like the part. What was it before? Clay. What is it going to be after? Again clay. And so in between also, it is nothing but clay. So there also, this example is given like the son born to this person, Devadatta. This man, Devadatta, does not have a son and he craves for a son. And therefore, he dreams. In the dream, he has a son. What's the nature of this son? What's the reality of this son? S-O-N. Adavan nasti. Before Devadatta went to sleep, he did not have a son. Ante, when he wakes up from the sleep, again he does not have a son. And therefore, in between the son that he has, understand that it is not there. Vartamane bitattasa. So, Anything that is not there before and not there after should be understood to be nothing but mithya or a superimposition or projection in between. <coughs> so that's always the nature of a projection. In that sense it is said that every name and form is nothing but a projection upon the substance. Like the part is a projection upon the substance, namely clay, and similarly any name and form is a projection upon the substance. <coughs> Now continuing with the verse 70, Sadadi Rupa Tresya Avakasha Satvekim Pramanam Idi Ashankya Anubhutreva Pramanamityaha. How do you say that Satchit Ananda is the true nature of this Akasha? As I said, Akasha is taken here as an example because that is the very first thing that becomes manifest. Sadadi Rupatrasya Avakasha Satve. That is Sat, Achit and Ananda. That is three are that are present in this space, Akasha. Kim Pramanam. What is the proof of that? Iti Ashankya Anubhutireva Pramanam. The answer to the question is our own experience itself becomes the proof that uh, Akasha space or anything for that matter has Asti Bhati Priyam. Satchit Ananda is the essence of everything that is a matter of our own experience. <coughs> and that is said in the verse 70 here. Mrudvatte satchidanandaha Mrudvatte satchidanandaha Anugachanti sarvada Anugachanti sarvada Nirakashe sadadinam Nirakashe sadadinam Anubhutir Nijatmani Anubhutir Nijatmani Murudvatte Satchidanandaha Anugachandi Sarvada Murudvat like the clay Ghatadishuvisa Kalatrevi Murud Anuvartade Just as in, a, in objects such as a part the clay which is the cause of the essence of the part, how it always persists. As I said, the clay is before the creation of the part, the clay is even when the part is, the clay remains even when the part is broken. Clay doesn't get broken. What gets broken is that form. And so when the part is broken, what we have are those pieces. There also the clay persists. And you further crush those pieces and your powder, there also the clay persists. Like the water and the waves, that when the wave arises, there is water. When the wave is, there is water. When the wave is crushed, then also there is water. 
So water persists in all the stages of the wave, or the clay persists in every state of the pot. And similarly also, take any object in the world, this asti, bhati and priyam, that something is. You can never crush the existence. You can crush the pot. There's a long discussion of this in the, in the Bhagavad Gita, when Shankarajara says that whenever you perceive any object, there's always, always you perceive also the existence. That when you see the flower, then the flower is. So along with the flower also is known the existence of the flower. And therefore, existence, mind always functions in the realm of existence. Somebody said, but suppose the flower is taken away, then what? Then there will be crystal. So when I'm looking at the flower, I say flower is. Suppose I turn my eyes away from the flower, I look at the crystal, then what do you say? Crystal is. I turn my eyes away from the crystal, look at the book, then I say book is. So is, is, is. Flower is. Crystal is. Book is. Tree is. And so on and so forth. And therefore, something or the other is always there. And therefore, the mind always functions with this idea or concept of is, is, is. So that easiness can never be erased. You can erase a particular object, you can never erase the idea of being, idea of existence. But here suppose there is no object at all. Suppose every object is taken away. You say that all right, one object is replaced by other object and therefore something always persists. But we say that, let us say, every object is removed from your perception, let us say, then what? Says Nirakashe. Suppose even Akasha or any other object also is not there in your perception, then what remains? Nothing remains. Let's say when I say the flower is, so easiness is there. Flower goes away from my sight, the crystal comes. Crystal is. Again, easiness remains as characterized by crystal. Then the book is, the easiness remains as characterized by book. The tree is. The easiness remains as characterized by tree. The person is, the easiness remains as characterized by person. And generally our experience is that one object is replaced by another object, but that easiness always persists. So question is, suppose all the objects are removed from the perception, then what? Nirakase, then where is easiness? Where is existence? Where is awareness? Where is happiness? You say that they always persist. Satchidanandaha anugachandi sarvada. Just as a clay always persists in every state of the part, similarly also means that Satchit and Ananda persist in every object. Before the creation of space, when the space is, when the space is not. So the question is, suppose there is no perception even of the space, then what will happen? Nirakase sadadinam anubhutir nijatmani. Suppose you withdraw your perception. As long as the mind is functioning through the organs of perception, so long there is perception of various objects. Suppose you withdraw your mind from the sense perception, and the mind also completely gets stilled. Let us say there is, there is state of deep sleep. In the state of deep sleep, there is no object at all. At that time, what kind of an existence is there? On the state of samadhi, when my mind is completely withdrawn and still, at that time also, there is no awareness of any object at all. At that time, how can you say there is existence? He says, Sadadinam Anubhutihi Nijatmani. 
even when all the objects are removed from my perception, there is one thing that cannot be removed from my perception. There is one thing that cannot be negated. One thing that cannot be replaced or displaced. And what is that? And that is the self. I can displace from my mind different objects. I can choose to withdraw my mind from the sense perception. I can even by my effort make my mind completely stilled. So that there is no perception, there is no thought also. But even when the thought is not there, no perception is there, no thought is there, even then there is someone who is that? The very self is there. And therefore, understand that when we say that this object has five aspects, the name, form, asti, bhati and priyam. But really, the asti, bhati and priyam is where? Is it in the object? Really speaking, asti, bhati, priyam is the nature of the very subject. And the name and form is the nature of the object. The object is something that is superimposed upon the subject and therefore even if the name and form is removed, then also the asti bhadi priyam or satchit ananda, that I exist. Ahamasmi sadabhami kadachit naham that I am, that can never be negated. I am, can you ever imagine, can you imagine the situation when you know that I am not? Is it possible for anyone really to perceive the situation, I am not? Or is it possible for anyone to perceive the situation, I am not conscious? Or that I don't like myself? Meaning the self, Satchidananda. It is not possible that I can ever know the non-existence of myself. It can never be that I know myself as not conscious. And therefore, their existence or awareness can never be removed or displaced. So that always remains. So it is said, Nirakashe nanu akasham vihaya sadadi rupatrem kasamanubhutam That suppose even the perception of space or the idea of space also goes away from your mind, then how can you experience that satchit ananda or asti bhati priyam? Says, anubhutihi nijatmani That asti bhati and priyam or satchit ananda is now experienced with reference to one's own self. Because as I said, the I is. Even though I am not a perceiver at that time, even though I am not a thinker, I don't have any role at all. As long as the mind is functioning, so long I have various roles. Of seer, hearer, thinker, feeler, etc. But when the mind also does not function, I becomes free from all the roles, but the I without the roles remains. Like an actor who assumes various costumes and appears in different ways, suppose he goes to the green room and removes all his costume, then also the costumes have gone away, the actor remains, and similarly also all the roles have gone away, the I remains. And therefore, Anubhutir Nijatmani, that Satchidananda is something that is now experienced with reference to one's own self. <coughs> and that very same Tadeva Upapadayati, that very idea is is again shown with a reasoning in the verse 71 avakashe vismrute avakashe vismrute tha avakashe vismrute tha tatra kim bhati te vada tatra kim bhati te vada shunyame vedi chedastu Shunyame vetiche dastu 
नामता दृग विभाति नामता दृग विभाति अवकाशे विस्मृते सपोज दैट इवन द अवकाश और द आइडिया ऑफ स्पेस मीनिंग आइडिया ऑफ एनी ऑब्जेक्ट इज विस्मृते इज कंप्लीटली गिवन अप सो यू फॉरगेट इवन द स्पेस ऑल्सो मीनिंग यू आर नॉट इवन अवेयर ऑफ स्पेस यू आर नॉट अवेयर ऑफ एनीथिंग तत्र किम भादिते वद प्लीज टेल मी देन व्हाट इज इट दैट इज नोन टू यू दैट व्हेन इवन द आइडिया ऑफ स्पेस इज रिमूव्ड फ्रॉम योर कॉन्शियसनेस देन व्हाट इज दैट शाइंस फॉर यू देन ही सेज शून्य में वेदी इट इज नथिंग शाइंस इट्स ऑल वॉइड नथिंगनेस सो दिस इज ऑल द आइडिया ऑफ नथिंगनेस केम बिकॉज when nothing is there in my awareness then what remains so the buddha said there is void or there is oblivion or there is shunyam or nothingness as in deep sleep for example what awareness do i have no awareness at all nothingness so they said that nothingness or shunyam or void is the truth is the ultimate reality of everything but we say he says shunyam evedi ched he says that what remains when all the ideas are removed from my mind is shunyam is void or non existence is the we say astu nama all right let it be what you are saying now is that now i am aware of nothing i am aware of nothingness so what is this even when the the consciousness or the concept of space or any other object the why they talk of spaces that everything progressively gets reduced to its own cause so the awareness of the earth will reduce to water and water into fire and fire into air and air into space and ultimately even the awareness of space also is not there he says now i'm aware of nothing therefore nothing remains astu nama angikrit all right let us say that nothing remains then tadrg vibhadhi it is that shines that nothing remains and nothing shines nothing shines means what there is shining there at least so what happens is even though there is no particular object to illuminate you cannot say the light is not there so when they give the example light imagine a lamp which illumines the various objects which are there in this hall and suppose all the people and every object is removed one by one then what do we say there is nothing that is illumined all right there is nothing that is illumined though although the object of illumination is that which is illumined is not there but you cannot say that illumination is not for you to say that nothing is illumined at least illumination must be there so then you say nothing is there now to that is illumined but how do you say that there is nothing that is illumined in that very illumination you are saying and therefore the illumination can never be negated and so also when every object is removed from your consciousness you say that now i am conscious of nothing but even then to say that there is i am conscious of nothing there must be consciousness which illumines even the absence of everything so consciousness illumines the presence of the various things in terms of the thoughts and when there is no thought the same consciousness illumines the absence of everything and therefore that illuminating consciousness is definitely there in the light of which you can say that now i know nothing <clears throat> in fact you need not even say that because you 
who said that there is nothing, at least remains. So the person who says, I, I am now aware of nothing, that there is nothing, even that person remains. Meaning, the self, that at least remains, because otherwise there will be no one to say that there is nothing. So that's why we ask these Bauddhas, when they say, the shunyam or the void or non-existence of reality, then we ask them, have you ever experienced the reality? Have you ever seen the reality? He says, yes, we see that in the state of samadhi. Who sees that? I see it. All right. So you are there. And therefore, maybe you are not aware of anything particular other than you, but then you are there. Otherwise, how can you say that I have known the shunyam? For you to know shunyam or non-existence or void as the truth, at least this knower must be there. And therefore, the knower can never be negated. Shankaracharya explains this once in, in one place very nicely. says, look, you, somebody says, I don't see anything in this room. I don't see anything in this room. So what? Therefore I am blind, he says. I don't see anything in this room, therefore I am blind. But understand that for you to see something in this room, two factors are required. You require number one, your eyes, and number two, the outside light. Only when the light illumines these objects, then alone I can see those objects with my eyes. Suppose there is no light. Suppose there is pitch darkness in this room, then I say that I don't see anything. But is that the proof that you are blind, that you don't have eyes? Since I don't see anything, therefore I don't have eyes, can you say that? You cannot say that. I don't see anything. Can be it for two reasons, yes. You may not be able to see anything because you have no eyes or you are not able to see anything because there is no light. And similarly also, in the perception of the objects, two factors are required. One is, the eye is required, the self. Other is, the mind is required. The mind is comparable to this light. That mind illumines through the senses all the various objects. In the deep sleep state, that mind is completely resolved. And therefore, there is no awareness of any particular thing. Just because there is no awareness, you cannot say that there is nothing in deep sleep. You can say that the objective awareness is not there. However, you can't say that the I is non-existence. The self is non-existence, you cannot say. Just as, just because you do not say anything, you cannot say that you don't have eyes. So you are blind. And similarly, just because in deep sleep nothing particular is known, you cannot say the self is non-existent. The self very much shines, except that there is nothing to illumine. Therefore, it shines in its own glory. Like the theater lamp, which illumines the stage and the acting and every actors and everything else. When everybody goes away, then also the lamp continues to shine, illumining the absence of everything, and it shines in its own glory. So we say that, Shabdataha shunyamastu. When you say that there is shunyam or void or nothingness, it is merely in words. Arthatastu avakasya abhava visheshanasya visheshyatvena pradiyamanam kinchidasti. In reality, when you say that there is nothing, that which illumines that nothing, even that illuminator of nothingness, definitely has to be accepted. And that is what we call the awareness, and that is the self. And that, that can never be non-existent because it is of the nature of existence. Tadrak vivadahi hi shabdaha loka This is known to everyone that even absence of something also is illumined. 
All right. So it is proven. Anything that is subject to dismissal is unreal. And that which cannot be dismissed is real. In case of the clay in the pot, the form can be dismissed when you break it. So we say it is unreal. Because now you have these pieces, that also you can break. So anything that can be dismissed is unreal. But the clay cannot be dismissed, cannot be displaced, and therefore it is real. So it is a mrtikaitya satyam. Similarly also, every name and form can be destroyed, and it will give rise to another name and form. So you can crush this flower, you can just, you know, you can remove all the petals of the flower, the flower is no more there, just petals are there. You can shred them also, and small little pieces may be there. You can keep on, you know, changing that form. But is, is, is always persist. Flower is. The petals is. The small little pieces is. The molecules is. The atoms is. Because R is nothing but the plural of is. Whatever. Is, is, is can never be dismissed. And when can you say is? When can you say flower is? Only when you are aware of flower. Otherwise you cannot say something is. And therefore, wherever isness is, awareness also always is. And therefore, awareness also cannot be dismissed. Flower is, petals is, molecules is. So because I'm aware of flower, I'm aware of petals, I'm aware of molecules. So isness and awareness, asat and chit, always go together. To know that there is an object, to establish the existence of an object, there's a need that the object must be known. Can you say that there are, head, there are horns on my head? You'll say no. Are there horns on my head? Am I wearing a hat? You'll say no. How do you say it is not that? Because we don't see it. So because you're not aware of it, so you say it is not. So in order for something to be, you must be aware of it also. So that Sat and Chit, or Asti and Bhati always go together. <coughs> And therefore, that is the essence, the reality about anything. Everything has a name and form. At the same time, everything also has Sat, Chit and Ananda. They are indestructible. And that is the essence or reality about everything. So, now that is what is said in this. Bhavato evam, suppose you said that Prakriti Kimayatam, Alright, what relevance does this point have in the discussion that is going on, in the subject and discussion? Ityashankya, with that doubt, Visheshatvena Pratiyamanasya Swarupam Abhipayamiti That that which is, that which shines even as the illuminator of the non-existence or absence, at least that has to be accepted. And that is said in the verse 78. Tadruktva deva tat sattvam, Tadruktva deva tat sattvam, Audasi nyena tat sukham, Audasi nyena tat sukham, Anukulya pratikulya, Anukulya pratikulya, Hinam yatanijam sukham, Hinam yatanijam sukham. Therefore, since this is very self, all that is which is awareness, which illumines the presence and absence of everything, is all it always is. And it is awareness. Therefore, Tadruktvadeva Tatsatvam. Therefore we say that 
That essence is sattvam. It is essence and existence and awareness is the very essence of everything. Just as clay is the essence of a pot or anything made of clay and so also their existence and awareness is the essence of anything because the form always keeps changing. But then the, the sat and chit that can never be destroyed. That's all right. But here you are trying to tell us that it is ananda. What is ananda here? I can understand the crystal is and crystal shines. What is ananda in the crystal? Space is and space shines. So sat and chit are there, but where is ananda? So we say, audasinyena tatsukham tasya sukhasvarupatvamaha that everything is of the nature of ananda. What is of the nature of ananda? That sat and chit also is of the nature of ananda. Why? Because there is no reaction to that. Audasinyena audasinya vishetvat tasya sukhasvarupam See, now the author explains what is the nature of ānanda. What is the nature of that pure happiness? That which is devoid of the reaction of happiness and unhappiness. So that's now the subject matter of discussion. How do you say that there is ānanda? There is ānanda or happiness in every object. It's easy for us to understand that there is existence in every object. Chair is, table is and everything is. And chair is known, table is known, and everything is known. So that sat and chit, or existence and awareness, we can, we are willing to accept with reference to every object. But where is ananda? Says, well, there is, as far as sat and chit are concerned, you are totally free from any reaction to that sat and chit. All the reactions are for the name and form. The anukulyam pratikulyam. There are three states described here. Anukulya, Pratikulya, Audasinya. Anukulya, the state of something being favorable or desirable. Pratikulya, the state of something being unfavorable or undesirable. Audasinya, something being free from the idea of favorable or unfavorable. So when the mind is free from these two reactions, only when I judge something that is being discussed subsequently. So when something is judged as favorable or desirable, then my mind reacts to that with the reaction of harsha or elation. And if something else is judged unfavorable or undesirable, again my mind reacts to that. Reacts with what? Reacts with shoka or grief or sorrow. But when my mind does not react, either with harsha or shoka, either with elation or with grief, then that is what we call the sattvic mind. We are not talking of a dull mind here, we are talking of the sattvic mind. See, when something is desirable, that is rajas. When there is harsha, that is rajas. When there is shoka or grief, there is tamas. Harsha or the elation is expression of rajas. Shoka or grief is expression of tamas. When we say the mind is devoid of the reactions of harsha and the shoka, meaning that the mind is free from the reactions of rajas and tamas. So when the mind is free from rajas and tamas, then what's the nature of mind? Sattva. Sattva meaning transparency, tranquility, cheerfulness, 
And therefore, at that time, the mind is sattvic, tranquil, or cheerful. <coughs> so, how to experience ānanda in everything? That is what is being taught here. That when I understand the name and form is mitya, and what really counts about anything in this world is that it is, that it shines, and that it has its own usefulness, then when the mithyatvam or the unreality of names and forms is understood, then naturally the reality of the essence, asti bhati priyam, also is understood, both of them. And when I relate myself to asti bhati priyam, there can be nothing but ananda, asti and bhati. Anukulya pratikulya favorableness and unfavorableness that nijam sukham that is nothing but give the nature of sukham or happiness and that is explained in the next verse verse 73 tadeva upapadayati anukulye harshadhisyad Anukulye harshadhisya pratikulye to dukkhadehi pratikulye to dukkhadehi dvayabhave nijanandaha dvayabhave nijanandaha nijadukhanna tukvachita nijadukhanna tukvachita So says Anukulye harshadhisya Whenever anything or being or a situation is judged by me as anukula, as favorable or agreeable, then immediately I react to that thing or being or a situation, harsha dhisyat, then there is a, then there is a reaction of harsha. Harsha means that, that elation that arises when I come across something that I like. Pratikulyetu dukkhadihi. And whenever anything is judged by me as unfavorable, undesirable or threatening, immediately my mind reacts to that with what dukkha, with shoka, with sadness or grief or sorrow. So both are harsha and shoka. Both are the reactions. Harsha means elation. Shoka means grief. Both of these are reactions to a given thing. And why are those reactions there? Because I judge a thing either as desirable or undesirable. If today what I am judging as desirable and therefore I am happy with it, I love this person because he has done so much for me, you know, suppose. So he has become my partner, he has invested all this money and therefore he is an object of great love to me. And therefore I see him and and his company makes me so happy. After six months I find out that the fellow has done, you know, something else. That's what happens. We feel that, oh, he's very reliable, he takes care of the business, he takes care of business so well, that after six months when I go once to my factory, they don't even let me in, says, you are no more the partner, you are already out. That fellow has managed everything in such a manner that I lost whatever there was. And now I discover his true nature. Now what happens? The same fellow becomes an object of hatred. So both are these nothing but the projections of fancies of the mind. When the mind fences something as desirable, then it reacts to that with embracing. When the same mind judges another thing as undesirable, it reacts to that again with, with aversion. 
So attachments and aversions are the reactions of mind. Anukule harshadhisya. Because if there was an object that really could give happiness, it should give happiness to everyone. In which case everybody would like that. There is no such thing in the creation, including God, that everybody can like. There's nothing. And there's nothing that everybody dislikes either. God, I say, just because he's poor God, you know, that everybody should like him, but then many people hate him also. Many people don't accept him, and many people hate him also. And so there's nothing. My mind being fanciful, there's no one thing that you like all the time, and no one, no different, no different minds will never like one thing. And so this anukulya, pratikulya, this desirability and undesirability are something that are the personal fancies or projections of my mind. Dvaya bhave nijanandaha. When my mind is free from both these reactions, then nijanandaha, then what happens remains is nothing but the ananda of my own self. Meaning when the mind becomes free from the reactions of rajas and tamas, then mind becomes sattvic, becomes tranquil or transparent. It is a sattvic or transparent mind, free from all the reactions that we experience the happiness of our own self. Then you experience the happiness for which there is no reason. Even now also sometimes you experience that you just find yourself in good mood for whatever reason. And there is nothing that you dislike or nothing that you like. But you just find yourself in good mood. You wake up in the morning, you are in good mood. Maybe you received a letter and somebody said, Oh, you are wonderful and this, that. And thus you are in good mood. And that time, it is not that you are experiencing something in particular. That in the world you don't have any desirable, undesirable. No such projections are there. The mind has become just calm. It has become tranquil. It has become transparent for a moment. And what you are experiencing is nothing but the happiness of the own, one's own self. So we say that when these reactions are absent from the mind, we are talking of what we call the sattvic state of the mind, which is awareful, all right, but free from all the reactions. Then what it experiences is nothing but the ananda or happiness of one's own self. So somebody said, if you say that happiness is the nature of the self, why can't you also say that unhappiness is the nature of the self? Why not? If happiness can be said to be nature of self, we experience unhappiness equally, in fact much more than we experience happiness. Why can't you say that unhappiness is the nature of the self? Nadu nanu nijanandavat nija dukkha api kim nasyad. Why can't you say that dukkha or unhappiness or sadness is nature of the self? That seems to persist more than anything else. Iti asankya dukkhe nija rupa siddhi abhava nija rupa siddhi abhavat mayavam so you can never prove that dukkha or unhappiness or sadness is the nature of the self. Nija dukkham You can never prove that dukkha or pain or the sadness or sorrow is the nature of the self. Why do we say that? We say in the morning simply that there is always natural love for myself. Everything always loves its natural state. And therefore, do I have any love for dukkha or the pain or unhappiness? Not at all. I don't love sadness or sorrow. I find myself naturally liking what? The happiness. So there is a natural love for happiness. In fact, a natural aversion for unhappiness. That itself shows that happiness must be my nature. Because leave the water it is its own nature. It always assumes its level. 
and therefore it will flow down until it doesn't flow down any further and that's the state in which every substance attains so that is naturally let's say that you take water in a glass you heat up the water what happens to water water is now hot it is an unnatural state so water struggles struggles to what struggles to become cold until it become it attains what we call the room temperature and then there is no further cooling then the water all the struggle in the water is stopped and so also there is a constant struggle in our life for what for becoming free from the bondage or becoming free from sorrow and when that bondage goes away or sorrow goes away no activity is any necessary i mean when i'm happy no activity is necessary that shows that the fact that happiness is something that i naturally love and unhappiness or sadness is something for which i have a natural aversion that itself shows that happiness is my nature whatever i love is the nature so i love to hurt somebody is that my nature so i love to kill this fellow is that my nature well after killing what do you seek to accomplish i'll really be happy you know if that is eliminated all right so happiness is what you are seeking see elimination of something or removal of something is merely what we call in is, is occasion that brings about a sense of satisfaction or happiness so what you love is the happiness so me i i love money i don't care for anything else fine what for do you want money do you want money for the sake of money suppose somebody says okay i'll give you million dollars except that this is stolen property and i give you million dollars it is your responsibility the federal agents are behind this you can take them are you going to have it i don't think so i said keep it with you i want money all right not for the sake of money i want money for the sake of happiness if that money makes me happy i don't want it i don't know anything that makes me happy because there is a natural aversion for unhappiness there is natural love for happiness anything that makes me happy i love because i love happiness so in fact every desire on my part or every activity on my part only reflects a natural love for happiness <coughs> therefore we say that happiness is the nature of the self nirukham nadukvachida so nobody can ever prove that dukkha or unhappiness is the nature of the self in fact in deep sleep state also what one experiences is nothing but the happiness except there is no awareness at that time but that is what is experienced and that is the nature of the self <coughs> okay we'll continue later om purnamada purnamidam purnat purnamudachyade पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेवावशिष्यते ओम शान्ते 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 शंकरं शंकराचार्यं केशवं वादरायणं सूत्रभाष्यकृतौ वन्दे भगवन्तौ पुनः पुनः ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मेरि मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमवद्व्याप्तदेहाय दक्षिणामूर्तये नमः ओम शान्ते 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 
हरि ओम श्री गुरुभ्यो नमः हरि ओम